You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Walthorton. Yes, well, hello and welcome to episode number eight of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in the studio, the kitchen studio, as always, is my co-host Simon Walthorton. Hello Simon, how are you? Yeah, fine thanks and uh, Happy New Year! Yes, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, Christmas has been and gone and the uh, New Year's Eve celebrations have been... And uh, did you enjoy yourself New Year's Eve? Simon? Yes, um, being with you, uh, that was great! <laughs> Yeah, Simon came and joined me uh, whilst I was uh, whilst I was doing a disco uh, at one of the local clubs, which was uh, was good to see you, Simon, that night. Yes, and, uh, yeah. Also, good to have a roadie to help me pack away at the yeah, end of the night as yeah. well. Yeah, I think I'll be doing that on a regular basis, uh, by the looks of things. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how's all the family? And enjoy Christmas? Plenty? Yeah, hectic, as always. Um, yeah, uh, being fairly positive for the new year, um, going with a positive mind uh, compared to last year. So last year is gone, 2013. We're heading into uh, 2014 now, so let's hope everything goes um, a lot better than last year. Yeah, twenty. well, it was 2013, wasn't it? That was yes. probably the, the number that had something to do with that. <clears throat> yeah, it could have been. Uh, so we are in uh, 2014 now, officially. Uh, as we record the podcast, it's uh, the 2nd of January. Um, we've just uh, just come or just gone on to five o'clock in the evening, haven't we, Simon? Yes, it's, uh, uh, dark yeah. outside and yes. damp. I did notice uh, as I was driving along the road today, the um, uh, nights are starting to pull out just a fraction because we had the shortest day uh, a few days ago. Yeah. So uh, it's now starting to pull out, and uh, I'm positive about that because the air show season. Uh, it's only a few months away. Yep, definitely is. And uh, it's fairly mild as well. We've, we still haven't had really any uh, any sort of major uh, frosts, really. Have we all snow? We haven't had any snow at all. Like, uh, yeah. No, no. But we're not out of the woods until about March time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we did have snow late here last year. It was March last year, actually, when we yes, had uh, yeah. quite heavy snow here in the yeah. UK. Yeah, but we can get it in April as well, because I've had it on Good Friday uh, and Easter as well. So, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll uh, keep our eyes out the window. Hopefully, we'll have loads of snow this year or this year. Yes, because I've I've been looking on the TV uh, in um, New York and uh, around that area, and they're minus six to minus eight at the moment. Yeah. Our listeners over in uh, the states. Yeah, that's that's. that's and that's they've got heavy snow at the moment. Uh, we saw it on the uh, Sky News this morning. Uh, but that, in the states, so they they actually have real snow. Yeah, you know, we we have two or three inches, and they have two or three feet of snow. Well, I could say two or three millimetres and everything come to a halt. That's exactly <laughs> and that, right. Yeah. And uh, as we've talked before in the uh, podcast, um, the airports as well, two or three uh, millimetres and that's stopped. But yeah. hopefully uh, they're going to take advice uh, from previous experiences and get on with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, hopefully there won't be any snow uh, next Sunday because um, I, 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 sh- I shall be jetting out of the UK, as Simon knows, on uh, on holiday. Yes, um, and uh, I am uh, quite envious because you've uh, actually chosen the aircraft you're <laughs> flying on. <laughs> yes, um, 
<laughs> I think we should tell the listeners uh, what aircraft um, um, you're flying on. Yeah, uh, well, um, me and uh, my wife Gemma are off uh, on a on a on a sort of t- ten day break uh, off to Dubai, and uh, on booking the flights, um, being the aviation geek I am, managed to um, look at all the different um, airlines. And uh, basically choose which aircraft I wanted to fly on, um, with you know, in regards to what airline it was. So we're uh, I'm going to fly it on a three eighty Airbus three eighty, yeah, uh, with no, Emirates. No, I've, I've never flown on them. Uh, what have you ever flown on the A three eighty? No, I've You've... never flown on the A three. I've been on the three uh, eighty at Farm. Yeah, that was a the, test uh, bed. The test bed, yeah, yes. the test bed. Um, now, when you do come back, you'll have to give us some more information because uh, obviously the A380 is double-decker and um, we see how the loading and unloading goes with the luggage because that's quite a vast aircraft, isn't it? It's yeah. one of the biggest in the world uh, for passengers. It is, yeah. That's, um, that's, well, that's, that's, well, obviously, as Simon said, a double-decker aircraft, the A380, as most of uh, most of the listeners should know. You're, you're all aviation people, like uh, aviation geeks like we are, I expect. But um, Emirates are um, one of the biggest uh, users of the 380. Yes. Um, and so, they obviously ordered more as well. Yeah, so I would imagine they're uh, sort of well organised in uh, luggage and loading and offloading of uh, passengers and um, cargo and everything. Yeah. As of November 2013, there were 119 built of the 380, which is quite amazing, really. That's of 2013, Of yeah. 2013, yeah, yeah, as of November. Uh, so it's not uh, not long ago. There was 119 um, um, produced production uh, models, actually. Yes. Uh, the primary users being Emirates, Singapore Airlines, Qantas, and Lufthansa as well. Yes, and I know British Airways uh, last year took uh, delivery of their first one, which uh, was nice to see flying in formation with the Red Arrows. Um, I saw that at... Uh, Rear air show, um, which was spectacular. Um, and what other aircraft are you actually so? Flying? Yep. Uh, so there, yeah, three eighty going out. Um, we're also um, going to uh, see some friends in Oman, uh, which is just a, a short flight away from um, from Dubai, and that should be on a Embraer one seventy, I think. Yeah. Right. Um, so another aircraft I haven't flown on before, yes. uh, Brazilian built, yes. Embraer, um, and um, the exciting bit coming home, well not exciting coming home, it's going to be depressing coming back to the UK, but uh, this sort of exciting flight home we're going to have uh, with Qatar, uh, with a stopover in Doha on the way back, um, um, will be from uh, from Oman to Doha, is going to be the a Three thirty. Yes, um, it's only a short flight, but it's quite a big aircraft they're using for that. They've um, been uh, they've been in service for quite a length of time now. Yes, yeah, the three thirties have Oman Air. I've got quite a few of those, um, but it could be a three twenty one. There's there's um, there's two different aircraft they use on that route, so it could be the three thirty or the three two one. But then from Doha back <coughs> to Heathrow is going to be the Dreamliner with Qatar. So um, uh, <laughs> Simon's looking with a worried face. I hope you've got to uh, take some uh, spare batteries with you for that. <laughs> Good luck with that one. No, I'm uh, I'm more than uh, more than uh, not worried at all about um, flying on the on the 380. I mean, Qatar have had theirs for um, for some time now. Uh, Do you mean the uh, Dreamliner? The Dreamliner, yeah. yeah. They've had the Dreamliner for a while now, and. Yep. Um, 
and this uh, it's going to be a, a one one mega experience for me. Well, for me, not so much for my wife Gemma because she has no interest at all in aviation. But for me, flying home in the dream like that that'll be um, that'll be interesting to see what what it's like, Simon. Yes, if all the reports uh, are um, true. Yes, and uh, I've told Carlos to take um, some photos of the aircraft, and hopefully we'll get them up on our uh, Facebook uh, page. Yep, I and will be. our website as well. Um, are you looking forward to sitting at the top on the A380 or at the bottom? Because that's going to be quite strange if you're um, a lot well, higher up on that big aircraft. The way Emirates um, <laughs> have got their 380s configured, the, the top deck is sort of business and first class, right. and sort of premium. Uh, I think it's premium. I think sure premium economy. But um, we're going to be on the lower deck, um, and you can um, reserve your seat that you want to sit in with Emirates for, for free of charge included yes. in the price of the flight um, mm-hmm. which I have done I've um, reserved uh, our, our two particular seats for me and uh, Gemma um, on the uh, starboard side window and um, uh, the seat next to that as well uh, so it'd be interesting to see the, the view out because uh, I've, I've put our seats or selected our seats as being on the overwing sort of part of the yes, aircraft. Yes, that, so. that is um, that is uh, one part of the aircraft which I uh, enjoy sitting uh, on the uh, wing or just just before the wing or just after because you get a good uh, view out and you can uh, keep an eye on everything and uh, keep an eye on um, if you're an aviation geek like we are, <laughs> geeks like we are, yeah. you can keep an eye on the uh, aircraft and uh, have a look at the. Uh, vapor trails or the uh, draft coming off the uh, winglets yeah. um, which is good we've got um, an early morning flight so that'll be um, that'll be yeah. quite nice to and see. Um, another good thing is you can get some good shots if you're on a wing of the sunrise and sunsets uh, coming across the wing so mm. yeah yeah, so I shall be taking uh, plenty of pictures. Uh, so hopefully we'll get them on on uh, onto our Facebook page when when I get back. Um, so we're going to record this episode number eight then, and uh, now we're recording, and hopefully we'll um, get one uh, episode nine out um, sort of nearly as soon or just after I get back. Um, obviously, we won't be able to get one out to you. Um, during while I'm away. Yes, yeah. Um, um, but I think we're going to have lots to talk about when you come back. Yes. We're going to be filling yes. us in on everything. and Definitely uh, will be, yeah. Uh, I want a full rundown, every aircraft, <laughs> every board and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, everything. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to um, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, touch wood and all that sort of stuff, um, going to try and get us an upgrade on the way out with Emirates. It's well, well worth um, it. I've uh, done that uh, numerous times and uh, I think you know, the way you dress and approach the staff yeah. is uh, one of the things to do and uh, if you're smartly dressed, I normally wear it may sound strange, I wear a suit uh, when I go out skiing mm. um, and a shirt and tie most times and uh, it does work and you do get yeah, treated. Uh, well, we we done it when we flew on our honeymoon um, to uh, to the Maldives two years ago with Emirates, and we dressed smartly and turned up and that, and we we got we got a free upgrade to business class with Emirates, which yes. was absolutely fantastic. It was it was just another experience, uh, totally from your normal sort of class of flying. Yes, yes. I must admit, um, when I flew Singapore Airlines twice before uh, to Singapore. Uh, one was on a stopover to Australia. Um, must admit that they do look after you, and uh, the class of service on some of these is really good. 
Yeah, the trouble is I wouldn't want to have to pay for that particular. No, um, not not the not the leg we done anyway with Emirates. That would have, that would have set us back three thousand pounds each. Yes, yeah, that is a lot, a lot <laughs> That's of money. A lot of money. Yes, but uh, that was a that was worth doing. So for those of you listening, if you're um, if you're flying long haul, um, it's worth just just asking. Turn up smartly. I mean, we were dressed smartly. Me and my wife, you know, we um, I had the shirt and um, <clears throat> um, linen trousers on, and. Polite, talk politely to the uh, check-in staff and uh, just just ask just ask the question um i think they tend to favor honeymoon couples i think because we were yes, on honeymoon at yes the time. obviously it's a bit difficult i've got three children and uh, <laughs> um having them run around in first or business class may be a bit strange but um yeah yeah but uh but that was that was brilliant we're going to try that again fingers crossed we'll um See, because the the business class seating on the three eighty is um, fantastic. I did look at that online. It's, um, yes, it's like virtually having your own um, own sort of cabin and such. Really, yeah, so. and I know uh, each A three eighty, well, each airline is different because the um, uh, seating configuration can be altered. They have, I think, the maximum if you fitted everything was a thousand economy seats on an A three eighty, but piling them in. Yeah, yeah, but obviously. I don't think there's many airlines with just uh, economy seats. So they've got obviously the business class, uh, economy, and first class. So the seating uh, configuration is cut down. Yeah, I think all airlines um, um, set up their uh, aircraft to to uh, to hold a, a, a different amounts of people. I think yes. they're sort of the eastern eastern airline. You know, the east the um, sort of uh, across the pond, I should say, airlines, sort of China and Japan. I think the the ones who use the three eighty eight there configure them to hold the most passengers to get the most um, yes, yeah. to mo- most out of the aircraft yes now we'll have to look in uh, into this um virgin atlantic they're um, one of the last of very last few customers to have the a380 they haven't got any yet but i know they've got quite a few on order yeah i was just looking at the configurations here for the 380 and um that they're actually the maximum certified carrying capacity is eight hundred and fifty three passengers right. in an all economy class <coughs> layout. Eight hundred and fifty three. That's 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 a lot of passengers. That really, is, yeah, yeah, that is. Um, uh, Korea uh, Korean Air's three uh, eighties. They have uh, four hundred and seven passengers. Um, Air Austral. I don't know whether Austral have got one yet, but their their one is set to eight hundred and forty passengers. But they average all the A380s that are in service with the different airlines. The average seating is around the sort of um, 480 to 490 seats with sort of three class layouts, you know, business class, first class yes. and, and economy or premium economy on some um, some aircraft. Yeah, no, I think the premium economy is becoming more and more uh, favourable. Now, I've flown uh, a lot of times to the US and uh, if I can, I'll try and get an upgrade or pay the extra for premium economy if it's not too much uh, money because I'm being just over six foot two. Um, I need a lot of leg room, normally on the bulkheads, window, um, emergency exits I try and get. so. And don't forget as well, Emirates, who who I'm flying with, they've had, on their 380s in first class, this is, they've actually got, uh, they introduced shower spas so you can actually go in and... Um, in a in a bathroom and, and have a shower in an actual shower cubicle. Yeah, that's pretty good. That is, and, and they've also got a bar as well. Yes, an actual lounge bar. Yes, yes, that is uh, good as well. No uh, Virgin on their seven four seven four hundreds. They've got a mini bar as you um, go in near the uh, first and business class area, where the steps go up to the uh, uh, first class, which is um, on the first level above the rest of the configuration of the aircraft. 
We're going to have. Yeah, going to have to. I'm just looking through different um, bits about the A380 here. Yes, that's, that's, that's one heck of an aircraft. I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, to flying on that. Right, I think we better kick off some news, Simon. We've, yeah, we're, uh, we've been chatting away here for a quarter of an hour nearly um, about uh, about well about my holiday, and uh, yeah. we're sort of we're, we're neglecting the news. So, uh, so if you're ready, Simon, we're going to kick off yeah. as we always do with yes, the show with go. our uh, weekly news. Yes. So here we go then. So, first bit of news then uh, for this week then. Um, This is covering the last few weeks of sort of aviation news. So, the first bit is about Ryanair. uh, And it's about uh, one of their stewards uh, having a four-letter rant at a passenger. So, uh, this comes in, uh, says uh, that uh, the Ryanair shaky customer service record has taken yet another blow. After the airline had to apologise for a steward's expletive uh, Filled rant at a passenger all over a bag of cheese and crackers. So, according to the uh, Sun uh, <coughs> newspaper, the passenger Nadir Morris handed back the snack which he'd just asked for because he thought the price of £4.20 was too high for the particular snack they brought. Um, he told the newspaper that the steward told him angrily that the price he paid for the company's um, it's a price he'd have to pay for the company's cheap flights. So upon landing um, in Italy, Mr. Morris asked the steward his name so he could make a complaint to Ryanair. The steward refused and uh, tried to shove him out of the way. When Mr. Morris told him uh, he was recording the conversation, the steward then proceeded to uh, swear lots at the passenger. The F word. The the F word was used a rather large amount of times. Um, the steward has since quit his job with Ryanair, and uh, a Ryanair spokesman said that they were disturbed by the report of such totally unacceptable behaviour, and they sincerely and unreservedly apologised to the passenger in question after this. <coughs> so, I mean, I've flown with Ryanair a number of times, Simon. You you haven't flown with Ryanair yet. No. I, th- I mean, from my experience, Ryanair's cabin crew can be quite... Abrupt. Um, abrupt. Um, uh, I mean, not all all the time. I mean, most of them are really, really friendly, but some of them can be quite stern and abrupt, and that with their with the way they talk to you and and and, and stuff. But you know, not a not a, you know not a uh, not saying that all the Ryanair staff no um, you know, cabin no, crew but are they like are that. they are actually trained to talk to people. Um, obviously, some people passengers are sort of aggressive or horrible and some are really nice some are old some are young all variations of people and so but they are trained to uh come across nice and friendly they provide you've paid the uh flight uh fees to fly and they have to uh, look after you while you're on board that aircraft that is their responsibility so yeah it's just a shame uh you know that they had to to uh, to come up They'll come to this over over some cheese and crackers. Yes, yeah. And uh, looking at this, uh, it's on the Witch Report, uh, as we spoke before, they're in the bottom. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's the top 100. Uh, they're sort of right near the bottom, and uh, this isn't going to help anything. So, yeah. in the Witch Survey, but that will... 
I know they're trying to get. Uh, they are trying. They are trying to sort themselves out yes. right now. Trying to be better, but uh, obviously this is um, this has not sort of been been a bit of a help to them. But uh, but no, I mean on on the whole though, the, the, the cabin crew are friendly. Um, yes. I think as like you said, it it could be a mixture of passenger as well because I'm you know I've seen passengers <clears throat> who have been quite rude and um, quite yes. quite. You know, you know, last June when we flew to Malta with Ryanair, there was there was a couple with a family um, who had it, who were having a go at one of the cabin crew because they'd um, left their uh, boarding card at the gate uh, on one of the seats, and they were um, sh- you know shouting and, and bawling at the uh, cabin crew member because because they'd left their ticket uh, at, you know at the gate. Yes. I, I, I just sat there, with, <laughs> I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Really, yeah. you know, blaming someone else for your own um, for your own. You know, yeah. a problem, but um, I suppose um, it is quite stressful uh, being on a flight and looking after all these people. So uh, it must be strenuous if you've got more than one or two flights a day, because uh, Ryanair do, which they do, yeah, uh, yeah. mainly short haul flights anyway. Okay, so moving on to the next piece of news, and uh, this one is uh, on the uh, Telegraph site. This one, this one is uh, regarding the uh, British Airways 747 that we covered in uh, the last podcast, yes, I think, yeah. the one that uh, that uh, went uh, wing first into a brick building. So the uh, British Airways plane uh, made a wrong turn uh, and crashed into an airport building. Um, and there's some more bits and pieces that have been released about the, uh, the accident itself. Um, it was uh, some reports from passengers um, who were effectively trapped on the aircraft for over an hour um, as they watched fuel gush- uh, gushing from the wing um, after it had uh, come into collision with the air, the uh, the building. Uh, the wing of the 747, uh, which at the time was bound for London with uh, more than 200 people on board, sliced through the brick building after taking the wrong uh, exit um, before coming onto to the runway for takeoff. The uh, taxiway it took was uh, designed for small um, private jet-like aircraft. Um, an anonymous passenger um, who wrote on a flying forum said that uh, they were travelling quite fast when the uh, aircraft collided with the building and, in his opinion, um, was not really travelling at the standard taxi speed um, when they hit the building and when they did... Um, the brakes were hit quite hard by yes. the, um, and it stopped it. Uh, you know, after it sliced through half the building. Yeah, look by looking at this again, uh, as we look at this photo again, um, it's gone through just under half of the this uh, brick building, hasn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, damaged, uh, damaged. Obviously, the uh, and, uh, leading edge at tip of the wing. And, and as uh, you said before, Carlos, the this aircraft in question has been in a, uh, an accident before, hasn't it? Yeah, just a minor one with an engine issue that I had uh, quite a few years ago now. Yeah, but I'm t- uh, looking at this, this is a serious matter because this fuel coming out of this wing, um, if there'd have been any electrical fire in the building... That um, could have sparked quite a serious uh, We could have been yeah. looking at quite a lot of fatalities here um, on the ground and uh, on board that aircraft because obviously everybody knows the fuel is located in the wings... Very flammable. Uh, yes, mm. and uh, it's quite a scary thing. And uh, for that amount of thing, I just don't know what they're going to do with this aircraft, whether this will fly again, because it must have put some strain and stress on that fuselage mm, definitely. and that wing. And uh, they're put on with rivets, so that w- aircraft will be out of action for quite a while. And uh, that's quite a major job for them to check that aircraft is safe to fly again. And if it is... It's going to be uh, quite a big repair for it. Mm. 
although it doesn't look much damage to it, it's just the stress and strain that all this um, damage of crashing into this building has caused. Yeah, so one of the passengers has also added as well that uh, they looked out the window and it looked like a water pipe had burst with the amount of fuel that was pouring out of the damaged wing area um, and the, amount, yeah, the actual damage to the wing tip itself. That would be quite unnerving to look out of a window and see fuel pouring from um, from the wing, like you said. Any, anything could have sparked so yes. um, quite a serious the, explosion. And all the electrics and uh, everything... And that aircraft actually cutting through that brickwork could have created a mm. spark and ignited everything and uh, been quite serious, as we said. Yeah, the passengers, were, like we said, were on the plane for just over an hour waiting to, um, to get off. They had to wait for steps um, to come. And, uh, but uh, according to uh, the passengers, everyone was quiet and calm um, um, on the aircraft at the time. I think I would have wanted just to have to gotten off, I think, if I'd have seen the uh, fuel leak, and I think I don't yes. know what would have been on there. Yeah, no. I'm surprised they didn't deploy the slides and just yeah, get everyone off. Yeah, that's what was that, my uh, um, next uh, thing I was going to say, uh, is I'm just surprised, because that is an emergency. No matter what you, uh, whatever way you look at this uh, incident, it is an emergency to my... Um, you know, they should, I mean, they could have deployed the slides from the undamaged side and evacuated. Yes, because I mean, the aircraft wasn't um, <clears throat> wasn't fully loaded. I mean, it had it, the report says it had a um, hundred and eighty five passengers and seventeen crew. So for a seven four seven four hundred, that's not by no means full. No, is it at all. No. I mean, they, I thought they would have um, would have evacuated the aircraft there and then. Um, obviously. But they didn't. They obviously felt that the situation was being uh, handled. Um, the airport's fire crew um, were on hand fairly quickly to deal with the fuel leak. Um, perhaps they thought it would uh, yeah. it would be sort of sorted out with the foam and, and the retardant. And yeah. Stuff. No, I don't know what's happened to the. Obviously, the pilot will have been uh, questioned on this, um, along with the co-pilots and the black uh, box. And the flight recorders have been removed and uh, will be checked. So. Quite a big inquiry onto this. Yeah, it's we'll have various, to follow that one. Very serious matter. Uh, next piece of news then uh, is um, regarding airport news. It's uh, Heathrow Airport. Um, Heathrow is coming at uh, among the top five airports um, for shopping. Um, something that um, I must admit, me and my wife do tend to to look around the shops and stuff when we go because Heathrow is is quite a, a, a large airport for shopping has a quite a number is, of shops yeah. duty free shops and stuff um it's uh yeah like we said it's come up um in the top five of airports um the top being uh dubai um then skipole airport in amsterdam yes that is good uh, i've been uh, there numerous times and uh if you're after clogs or cheese that's the place to go. <laughs> and then it's uh, Hong Kong International Airport. That's uh, with over 250 stores there at Hong Kong. Heathrow Airport, uh, number four, um, with over 100 shops or 100 shops at the airport there to um, choose from, including Harrods. Um, and also at number five, it's uh, Changi Airport. Yeah, Changi Singa- Airport in Singapore. Yeah, I've been there a few times. Uh, well, twice now. Um, and that is real uh, superb uh, place to go. Changi Airport has actually been named uh, what it was named last year, um, Airport of the Year 2013. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Um, it's a lovely place, and uh, when you uh, arrive, because uh, chewing gum is actually banned there, and also um, the people, uh, 
that are walking about give you um, Fox's Glacier Fruits because, like I said, chewing gum is banned from there, and uh, it is it's a lovely, clean place. Uh, even uh, Singapore is, itself is a clean place. Um, but in the restaurant or one of the restaurants there, they've got um, like little carousels with all the food going round, mm. and they're freshly preparing it and putting it in bowls. And you sit round, like a sushi bar. Yes, yeah, and yeah. you take the bowls off that uh, you want and you eat them, and then they write down how many bowls you got, obviously, and, and as it's going around. But it's su- such a good idea. They are appearing in this country. Yeah. Um, so uh, Chang Airport has over 300 boutiques, um, including something for every budget. Yes. Now, what do you think of uh, duty-free prices? Because um, Heathrow been there because uh, you get a lot of offers in the supermarkets now, don't you? And uh, Yeah, I think, I think the days of duty-free being... Really, 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 really cheap. I think are sort of gone, been and gone. Because I, I find that now <coughs> flying in different airports and stuff that that sometimes the stuff is cheaper in supermarkets than it is in duty free. Yes, yeah. Um, I found that quite a bit um, um, with uh, sort of grandparents who like the occasional drop of scotch. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, buying them a bottle of scotch to take home is sometimes actually cheaper buying it in the supermarket than it is buying it from duty-free. Yes, and uh, in the last few days, or last week or so, and uh, even in the run-up to Christmas, the champagne is... You can pick um, some good champagnes up for uh, around £10 a bottle, and that's for a full-size bottle. So, um... I think some things are cheap. I mean, I've, I mean, flow from Stansted, and, and, and certain items you can find cheaper uh, in the duty-free, such as sort of watches and... and Yes. Gifts, gifts, and stuff can be can be cheap, but there's still this um, sort of uh, thing where the liquid, like bottles, if you're t- trying to take uh, liquid into the states, yeah. you have to. Em- it's no point in buying any bottles of uh, vodka to take out or bottles of uh, booze because I don't drink vodka. <laughs> <laughs> can I have that in writing? <laughs> yeah. um, but any bot- large bottles. Um, aren't allowed in the US if you're coming from another country because that is one of the restrictions mm. that's still in force. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've, I've had to look at online for uh, for me and Gemma when we fly to Dubai. Yes. Is there, there's quite a lot of a lot of do's and don'ts yes. flying into uh, um, to <coughs> Dubai. Yeah, and uh, many other uh, airports as well. But whatever airport you are flying to uh, or or from... Just check, uh, if you are intending on buying duty freeze uh, before you go, just check your allowances because they are pretty hot and uh, what you're allowed to take in and what you're not. Because I know uh, most liquids, I think it's about 100 mils that you're allowed to take into the US and a lot of other countries. So just be aware, if you are buying bottles, check your allowance and what you're allowed to take. Yeah, definitely. um, I know in America you can do the click and collect um, buy your duty freeze and then they'll be ready at the gate when you board the aircraft but there are limitations whatever country you go into on the liquids because of uh, the threat of uh, terrorism still yeah you must uh, I mean I've seen that quite a few times we've flown from Stansted and you've seen people having to dump um, bottles of um, shampoos and liquids and shower gels and they've bottled had, water into yeah, the sin bin. Yeah, bottled water into the sin bin. Sin bin. Yeah, dumping things like that. I mean, we always find it easier to purchase those sort of items either in the country you're going to or 
in the uh, departure lounge yes. after you've gone through security where everything is obviously checked um, um, before it's sold um, from places such as, you know, boots and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I have noticed um, they are sort of helping with this because the uh, toothpaste and shampoos, you can get the little... Uh, the travel s- ones. The little yeah. travel ones, which yeah. are handy uh, for taking on the aircraft, which they will allow because they are yeah. under the uh, so many mills. So, so many mills, that's it. And uh, you can even put them in your sort of hand luggage, which is ideal. So they are sort of listening. Yeah. Next piece of news, then, is from the Ghana web. This is... Um, uh, Regarding British Airways, um, British Airways, um, uh, they're one of the longest serving airlines that fly into Ghana. Um, and currently, um, the only direct flights operator from the United Kingdom. And uh, as of March 2014, um, they're going to be introducing the new uh, Boeing 747 or the 747-400. Not so much new, but uh, bigger. Um, as opposed to the 777, um, which it uses at the moment. They're going to be um, uh, replacing the 777 with the 747 to hold more people. The move comes in uh, in the wake of an increased um, British Airways flight frequency on the Accra London Heathrow route, which increased from seven times a day to ten times a week, including three morning flights as well. Yes, so, uh, that's near enough, uh, I'm looking at this, that's near enough doubled the amount, well, just under double the amount of uh, passages compared uh, with the 777 for the yeah. 747. There's the new four-deck Boeing. What does that mean? Do you know I, think, I don't know if the Ghana Post has got that wrong. I, I don't, I've never heard of a four-deck Boeing. Two, <laughs> yes. I'd, I'd like to see a four-deck Boeing um, 747, but um, I think they've got that wrong, but... Yeah, it's um, so BA are going to, like we said, they're going to um, put the 747 on that uh, particular uh, route to increase the amount of people that they can um, they can use. Um, uh, one of the uh, spokespeople for um, Ghana has said that uh, they believe in this market that Ghana's economy is growing, with high gross domestic product increasing foreign direct investments. And it is politically stable. We believe the trend will continue in the future. So obviously they're going to bring more people in and out of um, Ghana, BA, um, which is obviously going to be good news for Ghana. Um, bring more um, more uh, tourists, I should say, in, into that particular area. So next piece of news then is in the UK. It's the uh, Manchester Evening News. And uh, it's regarding Manchester Airport's new control tower, which is celebrating six months in action. Um, The uh, tower, which uh, shifted over from the old tower to the new tower on June the 27th, uh, 2013, uh, has handled more than a staggering 81,000 arrivals and departures in that time. Uh, in its six months since the grand opening uh, of the airport's control tower, it, which, which cost £20 million, um, it's, uh, like we said, has, had 81,000. That's a lot of flights in that time, really, in six months. Um, the tower stands 60 metres high and, and has a 360-degree panoramic view and cutting-edge radar monitors as well um, installed in. Uh, it's seen some quite um, quite interesting flights since uh, the new tower opened, um, and one of the um, days in September, the 6th, September the sixth, 
they handled 616 planes in one day. Um, and among some of the uh, more, more significant planes that have come into Manchester have, has been uh, the Antonov 225 Myra cargo plane, uh, which landed at Manchester, uh, weighing in at 640 tonnes and with an 88-metre wingspan. It's uh, definitely one of the monsters of the skies, uh, yes, Simon, that yeah, yeah, and looking at this, um, the six uh, engines... <laughs> It doesn't look real, does it? Just absolutely huge. Um, and uh, There's three large engines on each uh, wing there. Now, we don't know whether the Russians use their own engines or whether they use uh, Rolls-Royce. I'm not too no, sure. No, they, they are their own engines. They are the Russians built engines on there. But if uh, I looked at that, and if you look at the uh, cockpit, slightly looks like a 747, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just looking at those, um, that little segment of the uh, front of the aircraft does look like a 747 uh, aircraft and also it looks like the c5 galaxy slightly um, but uh, obviously the c5 galaxy is a little bit smaller than this um, beast yeah that's got uh, quite a large tail plane as well on that one hasn't yes it? that looks um, quite similar to the uh, space shuttle um, aircraft's uh, winglets on the rear which carries us uh, which is a uh, modified 747-400, I believe, uh, with the modified tail winglets. But this thing, they, they, this is huge. Yeah, the Antonov um, 225 Myra, there's there's uh, actually only one been, been built. That's the only one, is it? That is the only That's one. That's strange, isn't uh, it? First flew in the 21st of December 1988, that did. Um, and obviously built by, built, built by the Russians. Um the operators of that aircraft, just checking here to see, uh, isn't is um, Antonov Airlines who use that as a cargo aircraft? There is a smaller version of this, isn't there? Um, yeah, which there is. is. Qu- a lot more popular, but um, looking at this, it says uh, they have a challenging day uh, when it's foggy or there are storms, I can imagine, yeah. the size of this aircraft. And, the, uh, and yeah. the looking at these wheels that they've got here, and just see them, there is a massive row of wheels on each side which it needs yeah. has a crew of six that that aircraft um i'd imagine it's probably fairly old school inside the uh, yes. flight deck i no, expect uh, there's an engineer and yes, uh, navigator and yeah the russians build some uh, extraordinary aircraft um which i think uh, are a little bit different or having said that a lot of them do resemble other aircraft from other air, air airlines that build or build these so the Anton the Antonov two two five has a cruising speed of four hundred and ninety seven miles an hour. That's it's quite. Not, that's not bad for <laughs> for such a big aircraft. Yeah, it isn't. No, um, I don't know. You can't see on the end of the uh, wings on this whether it's got winglets or not. Or um, similar to the B fifty two, because the wings are so long, and even the U two spy plane, they do have little uh, wing supports on the end. Uh, to stop the actual uh, strain of the wings. Um, you were saying about the power plants earlier, Simon, on the 225. Yeah. It's got uh, six ZMKB Progress D18 turbofans producing 51,600 pounds of thrust each. Wow. Um, and has a fuel capacity of 300,000 kilos uh, and a maximum takeoff weight of 640,000 kilos, 
which is quite staggering. Really. Yes, yes. And I think uh, what I'm going to do when I get home tonight, because um, I'm quite, I'm, I'm really interested in this aircraft because I've never seen it. I never knew it existed. It's the Antonov two two five. I'm going to look it up on YouTube to see if there's any footage, which I will imagine there most probably is, um, of this beast taking off and landing or flying, um, or even just pictures of it because it's it. It may look a little bit ugly, but it's it's a lovely aircraft. And I think they're being being one of the Russian sort of built aircraft. It's probably uh, built like uh, but like a Trojan horse, I'd imagine. Probably <coughs> yes, uh, take, yeah. takes a fairly sort of big beating. <coughs> but like we said, wingspan of eighty eight point four meters, which is two hundred and ninety feet uh, wow. wingspan. So I don't think you get that taken off from Norwich Airport, would you, Simon? No, I don't think that. Definitely not. No, <laughs> nor seething. Um. Before we leave that story, it has a range of uh, nine thousand five hundred and sixty-nine miles. That's quite that a one, that's quite a good range, isn't which it? Which is fifteen thousand four hundred nautical miles. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's quite a good ra- range, really, on that aircraft. Okay, so moving on then to the next piece of news. Uh, this one is uh, from Kappa, the Centre for Aviation News site. This is uh, regarding Emirates. Um, they're going to become the first airline to operate a regularly scheduled A380 service to London Gatwick. So that's uh, that's going to be good for um, for people who uh, like to fly Emirates, because um, at the moment <coughs> Emirates only fly the 380 out of Heathrow. Yeah. Do you know any other airlines that throw, um, fly the A380 into Gatwick, or will this be the first? Uh... Off the top of my head, no. While we're while we're talking about yeah. this at the moment, this is quite exciting. Um, if you're a Gatwick uh, plane spotter <laughs> or Gatwick a London Gatwick. Uh, uh, fan, yeah. Send us, send us some feedback. Tell yeah. us, um, tell us what you've seen. Yeah, um, and uh, this uh, be quite interesting. Uh, seeing, uh, get some, uh, hopefully, get some pictures on the airliner's net, uh, photographic website and information site uh, later when this does actually get un- uh, in service, which is uh, end of March, as you said. Yeah. There. So Emirates are going to be the first <coughs> airline to operate a regularly scheduled three hundred and eighty service to London Gatwick um, from the thirtieth of March two thousand and fourteen. Using the uh, the airline's 489 seat A380, it's going to replace the 777-300ER on flights EK09 and EK10, and it's going to bring a 30.6% increase in capacity of one of its three daily services. Um, so we'll definitely have to look out for that one. It's going to obviously bring um, um, a lot more capacity from Gatwick. Yes, one um, or two Emirates. airlines seem as though they're standing. Uh down the triple sevens because they're not big enough or got enough capacity uh, to um, carry everybody. Um, obviously, with that other seven four seven aircraft uh, replacing the triple seven. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the more economical aircraft is between the two. Obviously, yeah. the triple seven have triple uh, seven having two engines as opposed to the three eighties four. Yes, um, yeah. but obviously, like we said, the three eighty does carry more people than the triple seven. Yeah, but. Saying that the triple seven is a very very popular aircraft. Yes, the triple seven three hundred extra range is uh, quite a uh, long uh, aircraft and does have that extra range. That's why it's obviously called uh, ER. Um, but um, obviously, the more people are needed yeah. to be carried. So uh, after I think that one next year when I fly from Gatwick, try and um, try and fly with Emirates again, and 
and trying a 380. I'd imagine they'll have to change some bits and pieces at the airport for that as well, wouldn't they, for the 380 at terminals and stuff. I think they've, yeah. which I think they have in place anyway. I know Gatwick did do some um, they, um, changes for to accommodate the 380. Well, what they've done is um, before the aircraft went into service, they uh, did uh, a few uh, luggage runs uh, just to get everything organised. Um, and they also had uh, sort of test people on there uh, to load and unload, and also they've done the practice uh, runs for a full, fully loaded uh, A380 configuration with each airline um, for emergency uh, escapes just to practice to see how long they can get the uh, um, escape down to uh, mm. from the aircraft complete. So um, and I only think it's a few minutes, not even... I don't think it's even that long for a... I've seen the video on YouTube. It's it's quite um, quite good, actually. Yeah. So, moving on then, some Ryanair news. Uh, Ryanair has announced that its My Ryanair customer registration service is now live on the Ryanair.com website. The airline has said that uh, Ryanair, uh, Ryanair customers can now create their own personal profile and securely store their personal details online, which will help them to make faster bookings and checking quicker online via the Ryanair.com website. Uh, Ryanair said that this is the latest customer service improvement and follows um, the previous improvements they've done um, with the web- website um, to reduce the amount of clicks you need to book a flight from 17 to 5 clicks of the mouse button or computer button or whatever you press, the enter button. Um, and also the 24-hour grace period as well for booking errors that you may make while booking um, a flight. Um, and also the free second um, small carry-on bag, which uh, Ryanair now letting you take on um, a second piece of hand luggage as long as it's small. And also, don't forget as well, from uh, the 3rd of January, Ryanair reducing the airport bag fees as well. Um, that's tomorrow, isn't it? That is, to- is it tomorrow? Yes. That is, yeah, yes, as tomorrow. we record this, that is tomorrow, uh, the 3rd of January. Um, and also, um, they're having allocated seating on all flights from the 1st of February. <coughs> so check out that one on Ryanair's website, and My Ryanair, it's called. So um, that's going to make things a lot easier for people, especially yes. me, who use Ryanair yeah. quite what a do lot. You, what do you think about storing your um, personal details in their website? Do you think that's safe? Um, I've been doing it for years. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't say I've ever had any trouble with anything. Um, no. Obviously, you get uh, spam emails a lot from yeah. um, from different companies and stuff when you do sign up to things. But I think for for the people who use or for people who you do use Ryanair a lot, which there are a lot of, especially business people who do use Ryanair to fly into Europe, um, it's going to make things a lot easier when booking the flight online if if your details are already there. Because you know as well as I do that entering your name, address, postcode, email, telephone numbers, email address, passwords, etc., etc., et takes you know some time when you're um, you know booking a flight online. Yeah, and, e- so. and even if you've just got even if you've got more than one flight, it's, um, you have to keep going through the, the procedure if it's with different airlines um, over and over again. So in one way, it may be a good idea, and another, I'm a bit sort of wary of having my details stored on someone else's uh, network website <laughs> so since it's rollout my Ryanair and uh, it's uh, it's had over 10,000 customers that have already uh, signed up to the particular um, process um, so you can uh, well go on Ryanair's website and uh, and and sign up for that so next piece of news is from the Minuteman press um, this one 
I thought I'd pick this piece of news because it's to do with skiing, and um, obviously Simon is a, is a skiing person. You've skied, haven't you, in the past? Yes, yes, uh, lots of times. Uh, I was skiing uh, Mammoth Mountain, California, is one of my favourite destinations uh, of all time, um, is, and is my actual favourite resort worldwide. I've skied uh, most places in Europe, and uh, I've skied on the east coast of America, um, but obviously, uh, my favourite is uh, Mammoth Mountain, California, and June Lake, in, uh, which is just down the road, about uh, 20 miles away, which is another good uh, ski resort. And they do get a lot of snow. And we are talking 36 feet plus <laughs> a season. And the season normally runs from about October, November time, right through until Independence Day mm. most years weather permitting and snow permitting. So this piece of news could be beneficial to you then, Simon, because yes. this is regarding Southampton Airport, which is not too far from us. It's a bit of a drive, but yeah. um, this is uh, about Flybe, um, who are going to start offering flights from Southampton to, and I hope I pronounce this right, you'll put me right if not, is it Gren- Grenoble? Yes. Grenoble. That, yes. Um, as part of its new weekly ski route. So Grenoble, a city in the south of France that's popular with ski enthusiasts um, due to its proximity to the Alps, um, is offering holidaymakers easy access to some of its biggest skiing resorts in the region. Uh, and this is going to be offered with, uh, by Flybe. Uh, I'm not sure what aircraft they're going to use on that route. Um not having the fleet this in front of me maybe probably the Embraer yeah yeah, the Embraer or the um, Dash Q400 Uh, maybe Um, so we'll have to look we'll have to look that one up and find out but uh, so it could be a uh, could be a lot easier for uh, for you to go skiing um, this year if you choose to again yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so next piece of news then is from Southwest Business uh, website this is um, regarding uh, Gloucestershire's uh, new Jet Age Museum, um, and it's the Jet Age Museum at Staverton between Gloucester and Cheltenham. It's uh, celebrating receiving more than 4,100 visitors since it opened in August um, last year. Um, the new premises at Gloucestershire's Airport's Meteor Business Park, which has been open at the weekends and was supported by businesses uh, from the county, has generated more than £17,000 in sales from memberships and donations. So the Airport Operations Director, Darren Lewington, who is also a trustee of the museum, said the visitors' numbers um, uh, and income are far in excess of the museum's optimistic projections and bode well for the future. I take it you've not been to... uh, No, we haven't, Um, but uh, as a frequent traveller to the Cotswolds, uh, obviously for Riyadh... um, this would be one that I'm going to look. You know, I didn't even know it existed uh, until you've just. Uh, told me. So I'm going to look into. <laughs> we this. like to bring news that no one's heard of here <laughs> yeah, on the so, show. So um, that can't be that far away from uh, actual uh, air tattoo. Uh, yeah, check that one out then. Gloucestershire's Jet Age Museum. So look, look that one up. Uh, search for that one on Google. So next piece of news then from the Manchester Evening News again. Uh, this is uh, regarding actually regarding an Emirates flight, uh, an A380. Which had to uh, abort takeoff because of a tuna sandwich. Am I reading this right? <laughs> Am I, I'm looking at this headline here. Oh dear. Jumbo jet aborts takeoff over a tuna sandwich. 
It's not April the 1st, is it? No, it's not <laughs> April, no, no, no. It's definitely, definitely January. Um, yeah, this, this particular flight, Emirates flight, which was taking off from uh, Manchester to Dubai, was recalled back to the stand at Manchester Airport after a passenger vomited on board after having a bad reaction to a sandwich. The aircraft, uh, <laughs> I can't believe it. The aircraft um, was delayed after a passenger had a bad reaction to a tuna sandwich. Uh, the Emirates flight uh, from Manchester to Dubai was recalled to its stand um, after the uh, the chap vomited on board. Um, it had been due to take off at one twenty p.m., but did not leave until uh, nearly two hours later after the plane headed back from the runway, so he could receive treatment. So it could have been quite serious, really. I mean, it, you you can never tell. I mean, bad food food poisoning could be. You you wouldn't want to sit on a flight from Manchester to Dubai no, with food poisoning. No, and obviously they took this uh, very serious indeed, which is a good thing for the airline. Uh, but obviously, as most people are aware, um, all the pilots' food. Um, getting on the pilots for food is prepared at different locations mm. for each of the uh, for the uh, for the pilot and the co-pilot, um, so they don't eat the same thing if there is food poison uh, on board the aircraft. And uh, obviously, uh, this but that seems strange. He must have been eating this um, before in the air, in the terminal, uh, yeah, or before takeoff. The A three eight Airbus returned um, to the terminal, <coughs> and uh, the chap was treated by paramedics. He was then escorted by police and immigration officers back through customs, and it's understood he did not have to attend hospital. The uh, 513 passengers on board flight EK18 then waited until 3 p.m. Uh, for a successful takeoff, um, but some passengers did take to uh, Twitter to complain about the delay, um, which was so close to uh, New Year. So um, some people just. <laughs> Some people just don't care. I mean, all right, you, no one likes to be delayed. No. Um, no one wants to be delayed when they're flying anywhere. Um, we all want to get on holiday, get home to family and loved ones. But, you know, when there is a medical emergency, you know, you've got to think if that was you or your uh, one of your family, you wouldn't want, want it to know, happen. Not to, want it to happen, yeah. Some people have just got that focused in their head um, that they're, they're the only ones on board the uh, aircraft. <laughs> And that's it. Next piece of news then. This is uh, from the Express. Um, And I saw saw this one on the Aviation Herald website actually um, last week. This was uh, regarding a Virgin um, Airways, or Virgin Atlantic um, A330, that uh, was landing uh, at... uh, I'm just reading here as we're trying to read this. It was landing... um, in St Lucia, that's it for at uh, for a um, short stop. Stop off, yeah, to pick up extra passengers. Um, on landing at the airport in St Lucia, uh, just before it landed, uh, one of the uh, rivers had burst its banks, and the runway itself was covered in uh, sort of mud and uh, debris uh, from the uh, from the you know the overflowing river. Um, unfortunately, not with time to stop the uh, landing itself, the aircraft, the A330, uh, landed and um, due to the debris on the runway, which was obviously picked up by the um, undercarriage, um, received quite substantial damage to uh, to the undercarriage uh, carriage and the underneath uh, belly of the aircraft itself. Looking at the pictures... That- that looks quite disturbing, on, uh, doesn't on it? There, it's, it? 
did. I mean, it's surprising the amount of damage that uh, that sort of mud and 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 bits of turf. I'd imagine there's there must have been some quite other big bits of debris really from that yes. river. Um, but that that uh, this A three thirty looks um, consider uh, to have, uh, have have sustained a quite a considerable amount of damage on uh, near the uh, undercarriage here. And um, but wouldn't you have thought like uh, most airports they do have the uh, <coughs> patrols driving round the runways and monitoring that 24 7 when the uh, when the actual uh, runways and the airport is actually in service yeah according to the report it says that the aircraft touched down in the dark on christmas eve um so i mean it wouldn't pro- it wouldn't have been so noticeable for the uh, pilots i think if the pilots would have seen um something you know uh, obscuring the runway during daylight hours i would imagine yes. they would have, have, have made a go around and um you know landed elsewhere but uh, just looking at the pictures if you go on the aviation herald website uh, a website that we use quite a lot um for um uh, aviation news and that a great website um you'll see the pictures on there and um like, like me and simon are looking at now that the the damage to the the underside of the 330 is quite substantial it is simon? it is and these parts that have come off the aircraft um will most probably still be on the runway um or some parts have actually dislodged themselves and wedged themselves in uh inside the actual aircraft but if any of these parts which had come off had punctured the hydraulic uh, hydraulics um, in the wheels or any any part of the aircraft and um, punctured the tyres. This could have been uh, quite a disastrous um, landing. Yeah, this was at uh, <laughs> Hawanora Airport, um, where the the river had burst its banks. Um, one unconfirmed report has suggested that the plane hit a large luggage container that had come on or come loose in the storm, but that's not been uh, confirmed <clears> yet. Um, the damage was enough to force Virgin to cancel the final leg of the flight to Gatwick, leaving passengers stranded in the storm-hit St Lucia. Um, the airport remained closed until Boxing Day, when the passengers were able to uh, to return home. And a spokeswoman for Virgin Atlantic said that 18 passengers had been on the Airbus when it landed in St Lucia. So not, definitely not a full aircraft landing there then. <laughs> no, that's Eight, 18, 18 passengers. Pass- yeah. But like we said, they were uh, landing there to pick up um, additional passengers. Yes. Um, but like we said, the uh, the aircraft has sustained quite um, uh, minor um, damage and quite substantial damage compared to when you look at the aircraft itself. Yes. The underneath is definitely um, quite severe. I don't know damaged. how... Uh, sorry to interrupt. I don't know how they actually go on uh, regarding repairs to aircraft when you've got some, such a... In a subs- different country. Yeah, sub- hmm. such a substantial amount of... Um, debris and uh, damage to the aircraft those parts for the aircraft have to be completely replaced and taken off so that is quite a major job for them to do that yeah and, whether uh, um whether they'd fly someone out there from they must, virgin in yeah uh, I, I, I don't know whether airbus or boeing well they must do they must carry large parts and spare tails and spare wings um for problems that do occur We'd have to. Um, we'll have to look at that one. See, we'll follow the reports on the Aviation Herald website and see what uh, what comes of that. If the aircraft, the aircraft is obviously still there now. I'd imagine. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, next piece of news then is regarding uh, New Year's Day, uh, two thousand and fourteen, uh, marks uh, the hundred years of commercial aviation. Wow. Um, celebrating. Uh, it's a celebration of the first uh, paying passenger flight. Um, 
which happened uh, in Geneva on the 1st of January. Um, and obviously the 1st of January this year, 2014, marks exactly 100 years since the birth of commercial aviation, which is quite amazing, isn't it, really? Yes, 100 years uh, uh, yesterday, so that's quite a lot, isn't it? So on the 1st of January 1914, a team of four visionaries combined efforts in the first scheduled commercial airline flight. Um, it's just ama- amazing when you... When you uh, to think that's a hundred years, hundred years ago, Simon. That's um, way before uh, we were we were ever thought of. Um, but obviously, members of the family would probably um, uh, grandparents would probably remember, uh, possibly remember. Yes, yeah. Um, th- those uh, particular times. Um, but on average, every day, more than eight million people fly. Um, in two thousand and thirteen. Uh, total passenger numbers were 3.1 billion, surpassing the 3 billion mark for the first time ever. That number is expected to grow to 3.3 billion in 2014, equivalent to 44% of the world's population. <coughs> and other than the uh, passengers, about 50 million tonnes of cargo um, is transported by air each year. Uh, that accounts to about 140,000 tonnes daily of cargo. Uh, the annual value of these goods is uh, is some 6.4 trillion, or 35% of the value of goods traded internationally. Uh, aviation, just some facts for you as well on that. Aviation supports over 57 million jobs and generates $2.2 trillion uh, in economic activity. The industry, uh, industry's uh, direct economic contribution of around $540 billion would, if translated into the GDP ranking of countries, place the industry in 19th position. The global airline industry turnover is expected to be $743 billion pa- uh, dollars in 2014, with an average industry net profit margin of 2.6%. So some facts and figures there for you, Simon. Yes, Enjoy. and yeah, and uh, I'm sure you're going to uh, contribute to that um, in the next week or so when you fly. <laughs> <laughs> I shall definitely be contributing to uh, to that. Yeah, flying, uh, flying here, there, and everywhere. Uh, next piece of news then. Uh, this one is the from the Irish Times, and it's it's Ryanair again. Some more Ryanair news. Yeah, you love your we Ryanair. Do love the Ryanair news, don't we? Uh, Ryanair. Uh, f- uh, it's about a Ryanair flight uh, that leaves from Shannon or left from Shannon to uh, London seven hours late. Um, this one is uh, um, regarding a flight that was uh, London bound from Shannon with 150 passengers on board and was left grounded for seven hours um, after what was described as minor technical issue. Flight FR102 from Shannon to London Stansted was due to depart at 6.15am, but was delayed because of a cracked cockpit window. That's serious, though. That is quite serious, yeah. We, I mean, you, you see about that quite a bit, actually. That happens quite a bit, cracked con- uh, window shields and stuff. Um, the passengers had already boarded their flight um, when the passengers, some of them, uh, who were obviously registered with Ryanair, received text messages from Ryanair advising that their departure would be delayed. The text message arrived before any announcement was made by the cabin crew and advised passengers that their new departure time would be 10.30am and passengers were then taken back to the terminal. A replacement window was flown in from Stansted, arriving at Shannon at 9.36am and some of the passengers uh, were asked if they wanted to transfer to a later Gatwick flight but were told their aircraft would be ready 
and in the air before the Gatwick service departed. This, however, was not the case. So, a minor technical issue there. Yeah, and I'm uh, looking at this, they've flown it from uh, the spare window over from Stansted, and uh, I would have thought Ryanair would have a, you know, being an, uh, an Irish um, an airline would have a wind <coughs> uh, a windshield at, uh, at Shannon. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> Obviously not. Yeah, that would have been uh, made more sense to have spare parts um, there. Yeah, really, wasn't it? yeah. and uh, for them uh, to sort of suddenly notice that that was cracked, it was a bit strange. So Ryanair, being the generous airline they are, um, handed out vouchers for five euros um, to the passengers, which wouldn't even cover the cost of a soup. <laughs> and the only place that they could use the vouchers were in the airport restaurant. How generous. Yes. Can't even, <laughs> can't even buy a, some soup. I want a lot more than that. <coughs> oh be looking at somewhere around 10 to 15 uh, euros or whatever for, per passenger. Because that's quite a long uh, sort of time, isn't it? So next piece of news then. Leaving the uh, Ryanair alone now. Uh, Manchester Evening News again, this one. Uh, is regarding uh, something we talked about on previous podcasts. And um, something that obviously is never going to go away. <coughs> unless something drastic is done to stop it. Uh, it's a report that um, around 100 pilots are hit by lasers um, in 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 just one year around Manchester Airport. A report reads that more than 100 pilots were targeted by uh, yobs, shining laser pens as they flew into Manchester Airport in 2013. Pilots reported 117 separate laser pen attacks in the vicinity of the airport. Uh, Only Heathrow reported more laser incidents with 121 over the course of the year, but Heathrow does handle nearly three times as many flights as Manchester. A number of passenger jets were targeted by the beams as they passed over homes preparing to land. Laser attacks often uh, used during landing because lasers are more accurate below 2,000 feet and can dazzle pirates during crucial times. Yes. So no, again, this comes up. Simon. Yeah, it, it keeps coming up. And um, it's just a shame that there isn't a, a system or something available that could give you a coordinate or grid reference from where that actual laser pen was um, actually, well, where it actually came from. Um, if they had an onboard uh, board system on, say, like the aircraft, I don't know whether it's possible to do this, that could give you a grid reference to where they are. Mm. Um, then they may be able to do something about it, or perhaps the pilots have, um, I don't know whether you can get them or whether it could be made. It's like laser sort of glasses or special reflective laser glass. It's just, I know it's a. Um, a strange thing to uh, do uh, to prevent this, but this is um, this is a very dangerous uh, subject. No, it's, it's, bit, it's getting um, beyond the joke now, really, totally. I mean, the, the report does say that police are getting um, better at catching uh, the people doing the, the particular laser issue offences, um, and suspe- uh, suspects uh, can be charged with with the specific offence of shining a light at an aircraft in flight so as to dazzle the pilot. Um, so obviously, if people are caught, and hope they are, um, they obviously are being charged and um, dealt with accordingly yeah. for, for such a serious offence. Yeah. Yeah. So keep your eyes on that one. We'll keep following that sort of story uh, as we progress through the year. Hopefully things will start to get better in 2014. So last piece of news then uh, from Travel Mole. This one um, a, a new piece of news today. 
Um, bumper holiday Monday tipped to be bigger than ever. So British Airways Holidays is predicting a busier than ever bumper holiday Monday after seeing bookings increase over the festive period. This Monday coming, the January the 6th, so that is uh, that is next Monday, yeah. um, the, uh, is set to be the busiest day for summer holiday bookings. The operator said that this year it saw a 102% increase in the number of holidays booked on Christmas Day and a 62% increase on holidays booked on Boxing Day compared to last year. This, together with signs of an improving economy, suggests a bumper holiday Monday is set to be busier than ever, he said. So the top British Airways holiday destinations being booked include Orlando, Barbados, Las Vegas, Barcelona, Dubai and St Lucia. And city breaks uh, topping the list include New York, Rome, Venice, Barcelona and Berlin. Yes, well, so you've actually contributed to that already. Yes, I've contributed. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again, yes, I've contributed to one of those, yeah. So uh, so at least things seem to be turning I mean, Hopefully we seem the, uh, the economy seems to be turning round or, or Fingers crossed. Slowly, slowly moving, getting better, I think, um, which is good news. So that was the last piece of news, weekly news, and uh, we're going to come back after this. So we're going to move on then with some military aviation news. So if you're ready, Simon. Yes. Right, let's kick off. Right, so with a bit of uh, military aviation, uh, aviation, <laughs> you can tell this has been a long day. So with the military aviation news then, Simon. Yes, thanks Carlos. Uh, yeah, the first bit of uh, news we've got here um, is regarding Boeing uh, to deliver 28 Chinooks to the US Army. Uh, Boeing will build six new CH-47F heavy lift helicopters and remanufacture 22 more as the US Army in fiscal 2014 under contract announced on the 26th of December worth 680 million dollars that is quite a lot isn't it that is yeah that's 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 one major contract that one yeah yeah um that's quite an old air, uh, helicopter as well 1962 yes, first introduced yes. and obviously uh, the routers on that uh, if uh, anybody doesn't know uh, they uh, go opposite directions uh, to stabilize the aircraft and they're only inches apart and uh, the Army plans to continue operating the tandem rotor Chinook until 2038. So that's quite a, um, a long way off, isn't it? And that's uh, quite, a, quite good going uh, for that aircraft. Yeah, there's been 1,179 of those produced, Simon, the Chinook. Wow, God, um, that is quite a lot, isn't it? That is a lot. And the, um, the unit cost of a Chinook, if you wish to purchase one, because we like to give this information out yes. on here. Uh, so if you want to purchase a Chinook, it'll set you back $35 million. Yes, yes. And I notice uh, Honeywell is delivering more powerful T55 GA714A turbo shaft engines for the CH-47F helicopters. Um, now, if anybody has uh, seen or heard a Chinook, or you, you will know and hear when it's on its way or in the distance, because it's got that unique 
thumping, banging noise, which I really enjoy uh, and get excited about uh, every time we hear it coming in the distance. It must be something about the um, the uh, twin sort of uh, propeller helicopters because the the V twenty two Osprey um, has a similar thud thud thud. You know, yes, boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 when, you, yes. when you when you hear that. Yes, uh, yeah. So that is uh, something uh, <coughs> which I uh, enjoy uh, sort of. Uh, in the next bit of news, um, we've got a few bits on uh, India as orders and cancellations here. India orders six additional C-130Js. Uh, New Delhi has finalised an order for an additional six Lockheed Martin C-130J Hercules tactical transport for the Indian Air Force. Um, the letter of acceptance was signed on the 27th of December, according to the sources from the Ministry of Defence. So... Uh, uh, that may not seem uh, many, six aircraft, but um, obviously people... Well, I say at $48.5 million <laughs> each, Simon, that is... <laughs> yes, yeah. That's a lot of money. Um, yeah. First entered service, that one, uh, the Hercules, uh, 5th of April 1996, the C-130J. Yes, uh, because there are a lot of variations, and uh, the J version is uh, the most up-to-date, uh, most advanced, and then uh, the rotor, rotor's... Or say rotors or the props on these aircraft are a bit more up to date than the first ones, which were just the flat bladed yeah. um, ones, and obviously the new ones are more sort of rounded and uh, aerodynamic. And Look a bit like the uh, the three the four hundred M. Yes, yes, very similar to that. Very similar. Um, yes, which I think um, the Airbus A four hundred M is just a more glorified version of the hercules mm, yeah yeah i think i prefer the hercules <laughs> <laughs> it's that it's that sound it's another yeah. aircraft hasn't it got that uh, unique uh, distinctive sound and sometimes it can be miles away i've read this before on any hercules because they're often flying over our houses uh, in east Anglia because we are near some military bases but it's got that distinctive humming noise which you can hear for miles even though the aircraft is quite a way away and it's so unique and distinctive that you know it's a hercules um, because of those four um, engines uh, going around and making that drone noise which is quite unique so the j model is the newest version of the hercules and the only model still in production um, externally similar to the classic hercules in general appearance the j model features considerably updated technology on the flight deck um, and also the power plants as well, um, which are Rolls-Royce AE2100D3 turboprops with Doughty composite scimitar propellers. Um, And also the uh, the C-130J has head-up displays for the pilots. Yes, yes. Obviously the first uh, versions uh, were nothing like that. And this is a most up to, up to date version, and uh, th- as you said, this is one of the last versions uh, that will be available. Is it? Yeah, yeah, that is the last, which is still in production. Yeah, and the six C one thirties delivered by Lockheed Martin as part of a two thousand and eight contract are all based at Hindon Air Force Base near New Delhi and are flown by seventy seven Squadron. So yeah, and I know they still fly the uh, Jaguar aircraft um, as well, which uh, used to be flying out of RAF Coltshall many years ago. So that is uh, another thing we will look at into the future. Um, another thing here is the Augusta Westland, uh, confident on the AW101, uh, sorry, despite the looming production gap. 
Norway selection for the Augusta Whirlwind AW101 for its NAWSAR. I would imagine a search and rescue requirements a major shot in the arm for the manufacturers in Yeovil's UK plant. It announced on 19th December the order for 16 aircraft plus six options to replace the age Westland Sea Kings operated by the Royal Norwegian Air Force. Now, that's similar to what's happening in this country with the Sea uh, uh, King. That's it, yeah. Um, the the, a, the <coughs> AW101 is also known as the EH101, Merlin. Yes, yes. yes. So, um, obviously, um, it's not just the UK that's uh, replacing uh, the Sea King, uh, which is an ageing air, aircraft now. Um, obviously, uh, it's happening in other countries as well. Um, where they're using more up-to-date aircraft uh, to take over from this really old uh, bird. So the um, the Merlin, the e- AW101 Merlin, uh, which Simon's talking about, will set you back $21 million. <coughs> um, and first flew on the 9th of October 1987. And so far, uh, it's in use with the Royal Navy, the Royal Air Force, the Italian Navy, and the Royal Danish Air Force. Yes, Yes, and uh, I've uh, seen it at many air shows, and it is quite a um, stunning aircraft uh, uh, to watch on a display, and it's got a unique um, noise again, uh, with the rotors uh, whistling and whispering around um, when it's hover in the hover mode, and it's quite um, quite enjoyable to watch and listen to. So um, the RAF ones, just looking on here, Simon. Um, sorry to butt in. That's okay. Uh, the roll, the uh, the RAF ones are powered by Rolls Royce Turbomecha RTM three two twos. Japan, Denmark, and Portugal uh, uh, use uh, the General Electric CT seven. Um, but the Rolls Royce RTM three two two engine was specifically developed for the AW one zero one. Um, but it was later applied to the A64 Apache. Yes, and that's, uh, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, so um, on the next bit of news, uh, um, which is, uh, um, let's have a look here, is about the uh, Royal Australian Air Force Air Show announced to commemorate the centenary of the military aviation. Um, now, I don't know, they don't have that many air shows in Australia, so I'm not sort of a don't know much about this. Um, I think they have they have I think the air shows they they do have quite a few in in Australia, but I think the air shows they have in Australia tend to be quite large air shows. I yes, think, um, I, you never heard, really hear much uh, advertised uh, about these. Um, but the first flight uh, of uh, March 2014 will be the hundredth anniversary of the first military flight in Australia when Lieutenant Eric Harrison, originally from Castle, Maine, and the aviation instructor. The Central Flying School took off in a Bristol box kite, um, which is on the picture here, yes, um, at the spiritual home of the Air Force Point Cook, Chester said. The air show will see the official unveiling of a newly built replica Bristol box kite aeroplane. Now, I think I've actually seen one similar to this at one of the air shows in the UK. The first flight of a military aircraft in Australia. The replica was built <coughs> by the Royal Australian Air Force Museum at Point Cook and has completed its flight testing as a successful first year in flight on September the 11th this year. So that was, that was last year, obviously. So I was just looking online. <coughs> the the uh, the Australians have their international air show each year. 
um, and it's uh, hosted at Avalon Airport, um, which is in Victoria, in Australia. Um, it's been going for quite a few years now. I think um, our friends across the uh, across the seas, over in Australia, Steve Vischer and Grant McCarran from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast would probably fill us in on more information about this. So, if you're listening, Steve, Grant. Do send us some uh, <laughs> send us some voice feedback and let us let us know more about uh, the air shows you have in in Australia, and uh, we'll put that we'll play that on the show. Yes, uh, it says tickets and more details are about this air show available at www.airforce.gov.au/forward/slash/airshows. So uh, hopefully that there should be some uh, information on there. Centenary of Military Aviation Cook Point uh, Point Cook. On the first and second of March, twenty fourteen. Obviously, that's sort of around their summer, um, so we don't exactly yeah. know uh, what aircraft are flying. The centenary of military aviation, <laughs> two thousand and fourteen air show. Yes. Um, so I don't. Need, let's just have a quick look here to see what they've got flying. Um, it may give us a bit more information because <clears throat> um, it's uh, only a few months away. So uh, there may be some uh, sort of float restrictions or whatever. But, um, yeah, we'll have to. Um, we'll, have to we'll definitely have to. If you're if you're listening, Stephen Grant, um, send us some send us some feedback uh, as to uh, to what goes on at, um, at Avalon. Um, I've heard in in previous podcasts from those guys that um, they've done some on on the uh, on the spot sort of location um, interviews and stuff with people yes, at Avalon. It yes. sounds like it sounds like one heck of an air show. Yes, it um, does. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, um, but looking at this as um, although there's some training conducted using flight simulators, nothing replaces the actual experience of pilots and crews when flying. Air Force pilots and crews operate the aircraft in a way that will minimise aircraft noises. So um, this looks uh, quite interesting, doesn't it? Yeah, that's so, on the Royal Australian <coughs> Air Force's website. Let me scroll down here just, just a second uh, to see um, if there's any details of uh, what aircraft are flying here. We'll have to look at that perhaps another day. Um, yeah, we'll come back to you on that one. I've got one other bit of uh, information, which is uh, my favourite. Um and it's the red, uh, regarding the Red Arrows' uh, 50th anniversary. As we are in 2014 now, uh, things are starting to liven up. Um, I found some information out from um, public relations at uh, um, RAF Scampton regarding the Red Arrows' 50th birthday uh, celebrations. What is actually going to be happening? Their aircraft are having a special commemorative 50th anniversary tail. It's um, still a surprise, well of what the design will be but having said that sometimes when the aircraft do commemorate a special uh, centenary or whatever uh, birthday celebration on an aircraft like the 70th anniversary of the dam buses they have a special tale <coughs> excuse me but this 50th um, have heard that they are going to change the tail uh, livery uh, for this occasion and uh, also uh, there will be a few surprises uh, during their 50th anniversary birthday which um, there'll be special fly paths around the UK, uh, special uh, extra air show days, uh, which are at Riyadh, um, and uh, lots of other surprises uh, which have yet to be announced. So I'm really looking forward to this, um, and I'm glad that I'm somewhere here or nearby to uh, celebrate and help celebrate the Red Arrows' 50th birthday, which um, Carlos is coming along uh, to uh, share yep, with us. certainly am. And uh, they have got two or three new... Um, Formation, um, formations to actually 
provide and show this 50th anniversary year. So yeah. that should be something uh, really exciting to look forward to. Definitely. <coughs> and some more air show information as well, because we do like to bring the air show <coughs> information uh, to you. Farnborough uh, this year, 19th and 20th <coughs> of July. Um, they've uh, just released um, some confirmed bookings for the, uh, the air show at Farnborough this year. And one of those is the Great War Display Team. Uh, the team currently has seven different types of aircraft available to fly, with nine aircraft in total. And during the show, um, you'll be able to uh, witness the full team of all nine aircraft dogfighting together, offering uh, quite a, a spectacular display. And uh, you can find out more about those uh, at the Great War Display Team dot com. Um, they fly um, the Sopwith triplane. Uh, the Fokker DR1 triplane, uh, the Newport 17, the Royal Aircraft Factory BE2C, the Royal Aircraft Factory SE5A, uh, the Junkers CL1, um, and a few more as well. Um, so they're going to be at uh, one of the display teams that are going to be they've been confirmed um, as flying at Farnborough this year. Yes. So we've got that to look forward to. Simon. Yes. And uh, as we do head into uh, January, now it's early, um, and the air show season normally starts in the UK somewhere around um, May time, uh, and obviously the end of April, stroke May, touch wood is the time, and it normally runs till the end of October and. Uh, the last air show in October being the Duxford Autumn uh, Air Show. So that's quite a long season. But as uh, we do approach it in the next few months, we will be keeping you up to date with uh, all the air shows each month, each week, each weekend as they occur. Um, and we'll also be giving you loads of information on which aircraft are flying at each air show. So um, if you are interested, wherever you are in the world, coming to one of the air shows in the UK, uh, keep... Keep listening and stay tuned, and we will uh, bring you right up to date with all the air show information for all the main air shows, whether it be Duxford, Riyadh, Farnborough, Waddington, um, or any of the other sort of seaside air shows which occur all around the country of the UK and uh, in the Channel Islands, um, in Jersey and Guernsey, and uh, everywhere else in the surrounding areas. So Yeah, definitely looking forward to the air shows yes, this year, Simon. Yes. Let's really, hope, really let's can't hope, wait. Yeah, let's hope we've got some uh, lovely weather for this special uh, aviation year. That's it. So <laughs> we're going to uh, come back uh, with some news on the competition that we set on the last podcast after this. So, if you remember in uh, episode or on episode seven, we set uh, a uh, competition to win a Red, Red Arrows, Arrows 2014. 2014 calendar. Now, that is, a, that is a great year to have a Red Arrows calendar because it obviously it's their 50th uh, anniversary. Um, and uh, I love having the Red Arrows calendar every year. And um, I'll never be without it. And it's got some spectacular photos on it. And we do have a. Uh, one winner and um yep we do we've um we've trawled through all the uh the emails that we've had yes and, um uh, uh, yeah we've uh, chosen one at random we, we threw them all in a well we threw them all in a virtual box yes um supplied by uh, simon yes and uh <laughs> we've picked out a winner and uh very pleased to say it's uh um someone from many many miles away yes uh, so we'd like to uh, announce the winner uh, who got the questions right um, 
if you want to read the uh, the answers uh, yes, there, Yes, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I set a few on, um, questions uh, regarding uh, this, uh, to win this calendar. Um, Sam, when were the Red Arrows formed, and what other aircraft or aircraft do the Red Arrows use? And there was quite a few um, uh, correct answers. And uh, the Red Arrows were actually uh, formed... Uh, in 1964, and the aircraft they've used are the Fallen Nat and the BAE Hawk T1A. Uh, obviously, uh, they also used the Jet Provost. That was another aircraft when they were the Red Pelicans. Um, but the uh, Fallen Nat um, or any of those answers that I've just read out uh, were correct. So the winner? Yes, uh, it's uh, Tim Hitchcock from Wellington. Wellington, New Zealand, yes. of, of all places. Yes. It's so good to hear we're getting uh, getting list- listeners from New Zealand. So, Tim Hitchcock. You, um, you will be having uh, one of the RAF's own Red Arrow calendars sent across to you yep. sometime in the next few days. So, bear with us. Uh, yeah, bear on with the- us on that one. Our post is... Um, not the fastest here in the UK. No, <laughs> no, and not the slowest. Um, but obviously, it's just after uh, Christmas, and we're heading into the new year. So, fingers crossed, things will get back to you and uh, get back to normal, and we'll get that over to you as uh, soon as possible. Yep. So, um, well we, done, Tim. Yes. Right. So uh, that's that bit, uh, the competition bit out of the way. Um, also. So we're going to go. Well, we're going to finish the show now, aren't we? Because yes, uh, yes, I'm, I'm hungry. Uh, t- Simon's hungry, and uh, I, I have to cook uh, tea for my wife. He'll be home from work shortly. Yes. Um, but don't forget, you can uh, contact us uh, through our email uh, at plain talking uk at hotmail dot com. That's plain spelt P L A N E. Or you can uh, contact us via our uh, website as well. Uh, you can use the contact tab on there. Um, you can find our website at plaintalkinguk.com. So if you go on the website there, you'll be able to um, to look at uh, some wonderful pictures of me and Simon um, and also look at some pictures in the gallery and also click on the contact tab and you can send us an email uh, via via the website as well. Don't forget to look for us on Facebook as well. Um, Facebook search us at Plain Talking UK Podcast on there. You'll be able to see us on Facebook. Um, like us. I hope you do like us. Yes. Um, we need some more people to uh, to like uh, like us on Facebook. We need some more people on there. And also, don't forget as well, uh, for those of you listening who haven't um, used uh, iTunes, you can download the podcast via iTunes. For Just, free. Uh, for, for free. For free, yes. Totally free doesn't cost a penny you don't get much for free these days um. no no just just me and simon uh, talking for for over an hour <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you can uh, you can download the podcast like we said through um through itunes and also you can also find uh, the link to download us um via our facebook site we normally put the link on there after the show's been released so you can uh, so you can listen to us uh, stream us live well nearly live uh via the website and listen to the web uh, the show on there um, we'd like to thank again as well as we start the new year 2014 we'd like to thank all our listeners um, for downloading and listening to the podcast each week uh, me and Simon never thought 
in a million years that we'd um, we'd have as many listeners as we have, or still be going, at, um, or still be going at, uh, at episode number eight. Yes, yes, and I'm sure we've got many more to come. And uh, as we approach, as I keep saying, the air show season. Things will start um, becoming uh, more lively uh, yeah. on the air show circuit, and uh, we will have lots of exciting things to talk about and lots of exciting aircraft this year, as always. So. Yeah, and we also we are going to get a guest on the show. Um, I we- did say previously, uh, it's just it's a kind of uh, a, a timely logistical nightmare trying to get um, trying to get a guest from across the pond on the show. I'm not going to mention who, um, but uh, those of you who listen to the other aviation podcasts will know um, know who this person will be when we get him on. Like we said, it's just a char- uh, um, a task of getting uh, the uh, the sort of times and stuff uh, sorted so we can uh, chat uh, chat to uh, to our guest across the pond. But we will get that sorted out. Um, hopefully, uh, possibly for episode number nine, mm. um, we'll get uh, someone on as a guest as well. We've also um, got a few other guests lined up to be on podcasts um, later on this year. Um, we've got quite a few uh, interesting people, one of which is uh, he's a, a pilot um, who started from scratch, from uh, from nothing, and he's worked his way up to his commercial pilot's license. So we're going to get him on the show and uh, to chat about uh, how he... Um, progress from uh, his love of aviation to uh, to flying as well so on that note then we just come up to an hour and a half we're going to bring the show to a close episode number eight of the plane talking uk podcast thanks for listening uh, it's uh, it's always uh, it's a pleasure for me and simon to bring you this podcast each week we love producing it and simon loves um eating the peanut puffs that, um, that yes, I'll supply and, him. Yes, uh, at the moment, uh, I'm looking here, Carlos, and I've got an empty bowl. He's I got an empty bowl. I think the cat may have had all them. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just, we're just finishing off the mince pies as well, yes. left over from Christmas. Yes, so, uh, we've got a few, uh, I've got a few uh, more boxes uh, to go, and uh, they're all reducing the shops, but I hate it when the mince pies go, it's such a shame, but... It has to happen, ready for the air show season. So. <laughs> yeah. Bacon rolls and sausage and sausage uh, baps, I think, for the, yes. the, uh, the air show season. Yes, and uh, getting up early as well. And getting up early, that's it. So that's all to look forward to. And, uh, well, that's about all we've got time for then. So thanks for listening again, people. You're a fantastic audience. And uh, so from me, Carlos, it's a big goodbye. And from Simon? Yes, uh, Happy New Year to you all and a very uh, big uh, goodbye. And I look forward to seeing you, uh, speaking to you all next time. Yes, thanks for listening and goodbye.